how every one of you plays such an important part in making them successful. That's what we're going to be talking about. Let me ask you something. How many of you have ever wanted to change the world for God? Raise your hand. We all do, don't we? We think that, man, I want to make a difference in the world, God. And then you think, but who am I? What difference can I make? I'm just a normal person. Well, if you've ever thought that, you don't realize how wrong you are. Every one of us makes a difference in the world. Think about when you were a baby, you were born, did you start making a difference in people's lives? The mother, the father, the children, your brothers and sisters. And then as you grow up, you begin to make a difference in other people's lives. You see, every creature that God created, the Bible says we're created in his image, right? And he gave every one of us the power to change the world for him. Every one of us can make a difference by us, how we interact with other people. And it doesn't have to be hard. We can react by the words we say, the actions we take, inviting people to different events. You know, lives are changed through us for better or for worse in how we live our lives. Living our lives, sharing hope, giving hope to each other. And it doesn't have to be big things. Some of you remember there was a teenage girl in this church. She was many years ago. And she got up one morning and said, I'm going to Walmart to tell people God loves them. She got there very nervous, very scared. But she's determined she was going to do that. She's walking down the aisle and she saw a woman standing on the side. She had a hoodie on with kind of a frown on her face. And the girl says, I'm going to tell her. So she walks over to that woman and says, I just want to tell you how much God loves you. There was no expression on that woman's face, so the girl turned around. And the minute she turned around, the woman had a hand on her shoulder. And she turned around, to, and the woman had her hoodie off with tears in her eyes and said, that's the first time in my life anyone said they love me. I was here to buy pills to kill myself. But because of those words you said, knowing somebody loves me, I will not do it. Can you imagine that young girl? In fact, she gave a testimony in church the next Sunday. But how that girl never imagined her going and saying, God loves you, would save somebody's life. Folks, maybe we won't have something like that happen, but we never know by kind word how we can make a difference. You know, the Bible says that everything that God created was good. Remember that scripture? Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the sixth day. And then this was in Genesis. And then it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Who is he talking about? You and me. He's given us mighty power, folks, to change the world for him. Now, who do we think are spiritual giants? Who would we think was a spiritual giant, a mighty man of God? Famous evangelist? Big pastor in a great big church? But what did Jesus say? Many who are first will be last, and the last first. God's saying, you and me. 
I heard a message many years ago from a, a pastor, and he was preaching about it was time everybody was in heaven. And, and you look, there's millions and millions of people, and God was standing there, and he was going to give his reward for the most faithful servant of all times. So who did everybody think about? Moses, David, all the famous people of the Bible and famous preachers. Guess who God called? A little lady walked up. He called her up, and he gave her. She was the most faithful person of all times. We don't know what she did, but you know, when God tells you to do something, it might seem little, but when you do it faithfully, you're going to make a difference. Look, who did, who did Jesus call? Fishermen. He called mostly fishermen to be his disciples. Just ordinary men and women like us. Remember when Peter and John went to the temple and there was a beggar, there was a beggar standing there and he, was, he asked them for money. Remember what they said? Silver and gold I have not. What I have to, to give you, rise up and walk. And then remember they got up and walked in the temple and the crippled man who the priest had seen him for years, he walked in with them. And look what they said. This is Acts 4, 13, 14. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the crippled man who had been healed standing right there, there was nothing they could say. See, two ordinary men did a great miracle for God. Folks, you don't have to be someone else. God created you like you are, and you have enough. Every one of you, sometimes we think, man, how can I do something? It doesn't take much, just a step of kindness. He's got his plan is to change the world through every one of us. Christians all over the world can change the world for him. We say, how? How can I? Change the world by sharing the love and hope that's in you. Folks, it can be a simple way. My wife, years ago, my, my wife uh, told, told me about a new young girl that worked at, it was Valero back down the street, and she, Catherine thought she needed help. So I go by the next day. She was standing at a counter waiting on customers. I'd never seen her before. She was a new employee. So I waited till, she, till the customers left, and she looked like she wasn't feeling good. So she came, she, uh, came around and said, can I help you, sir? And I said, are you feeling bad? And she said, yeah, I've been sick for days, but I don't get paid if I don't work, and I've got a little girl. I have to work. And I said, can I say a prayer for you? I said a simple prayer, be healed. And I told her who I was, and I hope she gets better. I go in the next day. She sees me, comes running around the corner and starts hugging my neck. You see, she felt better. And then she started talking. I met that woman. She was not saved. She had a little daughter. She had a boyfriend that lived with her. They weren't married. They knew nothing about God. So I went in two or three times a week loving on her, just speaking when I could to her. And I invited her to church. She works on Sunday. I can't come to church. So on Wednesday night in our old church up on the hill, we used to have a prayer meeting, eight, ten people there. So one morning I said, are you working tonight? And she says, no. Can you come to our prayer meeting? She said, yes. So she came. We, we prayed for her and got to share. She received Jesus. Then she wanted her boyfriend to meet me. So I met him at Valero at the service. They talked to him. I led him to the Lord. It changed everything in their life. They got married here in an old church. 
everything changed. And it was simple, folks. We can all do something simple like that. Just invite them to come. The key to change is you and I can invite people to come to church functions. So, you know, maybe you've been inviting people for a long time and you seem not doing any good. Don't stop. Don't quit. Sometimes we have to invite, invite, invite. But keep loving on them. Simple love will make a difference. Let me ask you something. Is there a person in your life you know that needs to be in church? We all do. We all know somebody. Hey, invite. Invite them to a church function. And then we can love on them and build a relationship and bring them to God. So, a simple way to reach people for God is to invite them. To invite your family, to invite neighbors, friends, co-workers. When we have a function somewhere, invite them to come. Small group is a perfect place to invite someone to come. Like if your small group has a meal, invite friends to come. And we'll love on them and love on them and hopefully change their life for God. That's a simple way to do it. So we're going to have two upcoming events. The first one is two weeks on, on Saturday. It's Cabot Fest. How many of y'all been to Cabot Fest before? We all have, hadn't we? Last year, I think they said 30,000 people came. We have a booth. We had one last year. We have a booth. And what we do in our booth, we have a game for little children. Well, that draws everybody there. And we give every one of them a prize. And they all win a prize. And then we have a couple of people standing out, inviting people and handing out flyers. Last year, we, we handed out 11,000 flyers. That's how many people we touched and got to talk to them, love on them. And folks, we need a few more people. So if you are willing to work for a couple of hours on Cabot Fest, it's a lot of fun. You get to talk to a lot of people. You get to see kids having a good time. And we invite them to come. So if I encourage you, if you want to help, just me, Vicki Warren, or Amanda back there, tell them and we'll put you down. It'll just be for a couple of hours. But you'll get to share and talk to a lot of people or play games with kids. So why is a Cabot Fest important? Hey, I'm here because of Cabot Fest. I went to a church in North Little Rock. My life was changing. I I, I was looking for something to, where God, I, God could use me to do signs and wonders and miracles, walk in the Spirit, and the churches I was raised in wasn't like that. I wanted something different, so I came to Cabot Fest. We lived here in Cabot. I was walking, and I saw, at that time, that I, this church was called the Vineyard, and they were giving away water. They were giving cold water to everyone, and... Uh, so I went and got some water, and then Alan was there, and Alan and I began to share and talk, and, and I began to know a little bit about him and the church. He asked me where I went, and I told him, and he, he had a rental store right down the street. He says, come by and see me. So I went by a couple of mornings, and God just drew me to this church because I knew it's something we could build, something we could really touch people. And because of Cabot Fest, that is why I'm here. And a lot of people, I can tell you a lot more stories about how God touched people by interacting. And it was amazing last year how many people we handed flowers out to that hadn't even heard about our church. So we got the word out. And that's what we're going to do this, this year. It's, it's from 9 to 6. Our booth is from 9 on a Saturday morning, 9 to 6. I know some of you are already helping, and we need a few more people to help. But, folks, it'll be a time where you can reach out to other people. And I think you'll really enjoy it. So are you ready to change the world? Come on. Come on. Let's go. Let's.
Got to get excited. We're going to change the world. Amen. Okay, now Daniel's coming up. Get ready. I'm getting old. I drop things. Oh, you don't. So, uh, Mr. Harvey, uh, I was, I think I was about 13 when Mr. Harvey started going to uh, Europe, uh, started in the Czech Republic, and uh, he was going to do these missionary trips, and I don't know how, real honestly have a clue how I ended up on his team. So, uh, we didn't have a lot of money, uh, I've never even been on an airplane, and, you know, Mr. Harvey uh, invites me, and, uh, you know, that was probably one of the first times in my life I was invited to something that, you know, in my head was just so much bigger than me. I was like, wow, traveling, going into other countries, uh, being a missionary, like, that was a pretty huge deal for me. Uh, so, you know, I was super excited, and I think I just turned 14, and, uh, we were going to the Czech Republic, and, uh, I don't know if y'all know a lot about Czech. They have a really interesting history, but they basically, for, I don't know, I think about 40 years, give or take, uh, they were under communism. So uh, after World War II, uh, lots of political things happened there, and the governing body basically flipped and brought in communism 40 years straight. So the, the country had, I mean, it was something like less than half a percent uh, of the, the population had even heard of Jesus, much less practiced. Uh, the, the country basically had been closed off um, ever since World War II, basically, in some regard. So what ended up happening was, and I wrote it down. I didn't want to mess it up because it was interesting. Yeah, 1989. So in 1989 is when the country came out of communism, and then for like the next decade, they were trying to figure out their government, elected officials, that kind of thing. So in the late 90s, so I was just turning 14, uh, is when Mr. Harvey took me over there, and I don't have a clue why my parents let me go, <laughs> honestly. Uh, you know, they were just 10 years out of communism. The country did not have their infrastructure, their politics, or anything figured out at that point. But anyway, I was just excited to go. So uh, we, we, we fly into the Czech Republic, we go to Prague, and then we go out to an outlying, they would call it a village, we would call it a pretty decent-sized town, and uh, an old town that had been there for a real long time. And uh, the town was kind of interesting. Uh, it had these, like, in communism, like it was pretty typical, they would call them flats. Like, it looks like kind of these... You'll see them in China sometimes now, modern day, but it's just these kind of not real pretty concrete going straight up, multi-story things. And, you know, they just stuffed people and families into them. Uh, and then, but the old part of the town were these beautiful, like, kind of things you would see on a postcard, right? Just absolutely gorgeous cobblestone streets with houses that had been there for six and seven, eight hundred years. And, you know, just these, you know, I don't know how many generations of families had lived in the these just beautiful little houses and, you know, little fences out front, a garden in the back. And, you know, but the, the town was kind of split. So you would kind of have this communism side to where it was this not very pretty, very hard. And then as we were, uh, as you'd go through the town, you'd run into these pockets of just absolutely gorgeous um, properties. So uh, what we were doing there is we were having these evangelistic type meetings and we had a big tent and we're doing all kinds of things, but basically we had to walk everywhere. So uh, we were staying at, you know, a couple of miles, I think roughly a mile, mile and a half away from where we were meeting. So every morning we'd like get up and as a big group, there's about 15 or 20 of us, uh, we would walk along these, the old, oldest parts of the city and then the kind of the flats and then back to the old parts and then going to a field where our tent was set up. 
So the first day uh, walking through there, and uh, you know, we're just loud Americans. Like you can always tell uh, if you ever have traveled uh, and there's a bunch of Americans compared to whatever country you're in, like you know, like, oh boy, the Americans are here. And that's what we were doing. So we were loud, we were joking, we were obviously not from around those parts, right? Uh, and a lot of the people on our team were from Texas. So uh, we're walking along the street and there's this older man that was in his front yard just kind of doing yard work and very unusual. Uh, usually, especially at that time, you know, just out of communism, uh, you didn't really see a whole lot of interaction, right? So if uh, the kids didn't really know, but anyone that grew up around communism, uh, they were just defeated is the best way I could describe it, right? They just didn't have a lot of hope. They didn't have a lot of, uh, they just had seen a lot of bad things and had been controlled and it wasn't a good place to live for a long time. So you didn't have a lot of interaction. People didn't just come up and say hello. You know, they just kind of were there. Uh, now, they would talk to you if you approached them, but, they, you know, they just didn't really want a lot to do with you uh, on their own. But this guy, it was so interesting, uh, and I don't have any idea. Like, I'm, I'm just a kid. Like, I'm just there. I'm just happy to be there. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, and he yells at me, which was pretty unusual, got my attention, and was like, are you guys from Texas? Uh, and I was like, oh, he speaks English. Like, that's pretty crazy. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I wasn't, but like our group, most everybody in our group was. And uh, he kind of waves me over and he just said, Texas. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're from Texas. And uh, most of us were. And he goes, he goes, oh, I haven't seen anyone from Texas uh, in so long. I went, oh, yeah, and uh, he was just so nice, and, you know, the conversation didn't last 60 seconds, right? Like, it was just, hello, nice to meet you, uh, we're doing this tent thing, you're more than welcome, and, you know, that was it. Well, uh, we were there about a week, and uh, eventually, he just, uh, every time we were outside or any time we were near his house, he would, he wanted to talk to me. And it's just so interesting. And so over the week, what I found out was, which I don't even know how this works exactly, but uh, he was a veteran and he ended up in the Czech Republic. So he was stationed, um, I don't know which base, but he, he was in London-ish area. And he, tells, he starts telling me his story a little bit. And he tells me why he was so interested in Texas. So he was, uh, I guess, part of the Royal Air Force originally. And his unit was the one, one of the ones that received the B, what was it? Yeah, the B-17, so the bomber, the big bombers. So those bombers have a crew of 10. And I'm not exactly sure if he was a pilot or just part of the crew, but whenever the Americans entered World War II, right, uh, the Mighty Eighth, as I think the, what they were called back then, is the, one of the bomber wings that saw a ton of action ended up being stationed near this guy. And I don't know if it was like an officer exchange program or what, but somehow or another, he ended up on, his, he ended up on an American plane serving with Americans, and the crew he was with was from Texas. So... Uh, somehow uh, connecting with me just as a kid reminded him of that part of his life. And, and I've always loved history, and I just felt like so honored that he wanted to be friends with me. Like it was crazy. And, you know, there's a ton of, I mean, obviously there's a ton of veterans and, you know, all of them done amazing things, but just in my heart, I was like, wow, you know, the B-17, the Flying Fortress, uh, just because I like history, I knew quite a bit about it. And then, like, even while I was there, I was just trying to place him. And it's like, wait, wait a second. He must have been, was he part of the, the Mighty Eighth? What was that? And then, so, basically, I won't go into history too much, but, you know, World War II, the B-17, like, it's something like 
every, the survival rate of the crew was like incredibly low. Like, you know, eight missions, give or take, is what the average crew would be on before they lost one of, one of the people on the plane. Um, you know, we made well over 10,000 B-17s and like 5,000 of them got shot down. I mean, it wasn't like a great place to serve. Lots of death, lots of missing planes, lots of missing crew, lots of injuries. Um, I was like, you know, so even for him to survive that was pretty incredible. And then all these years later, he's talking to me. And so we end up uh, just exchanging addresses. And then the craziest thing, like I, all the rest of my teenage years growing up well into high school, um, he would write me postcards. And uh, uh, until he passed away, he would, and they were really simple, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Daniel, how are you doing? This is what I'm doing. You know, three or four sentences at a time. Uh, but it was so special to me because it was like one of the first times in my life where somebody chose and invited me to be their friend, you know? And it's such an honor for me. And it, was, it really was like, you know, growing up here in Cabot, Cabot was a little bit different back then. My high school years, teen, early teenage years, wasn't the most fun a lot of times. And it was an interesting time in my life that God connected me and this guy together. And somehow me just being me and somehow him just being him, it worked. And uh, it was just so special. And it was, uh, God just really reminded me of that, that the, the idea of being invited, uh, even in our world, just being a friend ended up being such a powerful thing for me. Uh, and it was just so neat. Like, it really, really helped me in a weird way that I didn't even know it. That, you know, no matter what was happening back at home or it was like, oh, yeah, but, you know, I've got a friend and he's famous. Uh, you know, like, it was just really awesome to me. So uh, that's what I wanted to talk about just a little bit is inviting. So October 15th is uh, Grace Family Picnic. And... It's going to be a different kind of day. So our service is that time is moving, right? So we're still having a service. It's just going to be at 4 o'clock, right? So Sunday morning, we won't be having traditional service, but we will be having this picnic. And I wanted to go into a little bit of the why, why we're having the picnic, and then what we're hoping happens. Uh, and I'm really excited about it. So uh, something I've learned is... This place, this community, uh, the older I get, the more I realize how special it is. And the more I think about the people here and what we get to do week in and week out. And, you know, when I'm at work and I'm around, you know, other people and it, it, I'm just like, man, I just realize more and more and more how special what we have here is, uh, where we love where we connect, where we can rely on each other. And that's a, becoming a pretty rare thing. So when, uh, when the pastors were talking about doing an event this fall, this was kind of their heart. They were saying, hey, why don't we, why don't we have a picnic or a barbecue just like a family and have a place just where we can provide, not have a big event or carnival rides. That's not really the idea. The idea is that almost just like a great family picnic to where you're like, oh, this is home. And you have a chance to connect and talk with other people. Uh, so the pastors were discussing this, an idea, and I was like, yeah, it sounds awesome. So that's what the October 15th thing is. Uh, it's going to be a place where we're hoping that you'll invite your friends, your family, and give them a chance to introduce you to their friends that are here. So this connection thing happens. So here's what I wanted to talk about just real quick. Like, so who to invite? This is the funny part to me, is um, I think sometimes we think we have to invite somebody we don't know, or that 
Walmart encounter or at a restaurant or, you, you know, like when I think about that, uh, what I want to encourage you in, we're calling this Grace, Picnic at Grace, friends and family. What I really like to challenge you with is spend some time with the Lord and pick out a family or a person uh, that you know that's not part of a community and really pick them out. Like, spend some time with the Lord, spend some time praying about it, get a name, get a family, and then let's start praying for them. Let's start thinking about them. Let's find that person that you get to invite. Um, friends and family. Well, that means like the neighbor next door that has lived in your neighborhood for like the last 10 years, that you're friendly, you smile, you loan each other tools, but you don't think they, you're part of a community or go to church anywhere. Well, let's invite them. And when I mean invite them, because uh, I'm not all that great at this sometimes, because like, hey, you want to come? And that's it. <laughs> like, uh, you know, it's pretty wild. Like, so when I mean invite them, you might have to have them over for dinner. You might have to be real intentional. You might have to spend some time with them and really tell them why you want them to come uh, and that you see them. Like, yeah, I would just really like you to invite you part of my community that's been for, here for me and really invite them. Like, you know, flyers and social media and like all that stuff, I mean, it's not bad, but there's a difference, right? Like when someone really invites you to something, like when my friend in check invited me to be his friend, it was pretty cool. Uh, he did something that I think is kind of hilarious now, but uh, throughout that week, I gave him a t-shirt because, you know, that's pretty much all I had to give was I didn't have any money and I really liked this guy and I was just so honored that he was even talking to me. So uh, I got one of our t-shirts from the event and I gave it to them. And uh, one of our last days back through the village, uh, he gave me one of his t-shirts, which was, you know, a tad bigger than what I would wear, but it was like really nice. And then he handed and I didn't really realize what he was doing. Uh, then he handed like these grocery sacks, like full of stuff to um, one of our leaders that was with us. Uh, and they were full of bottles of wine, which was great. I don't know what happened to them, but <laughs> it was really neat. But, he, but, you know, it cost me something a little bit to be his friend in a sense, right? Time, effort, giving away things. Um, and I think if you guys will really think about who you're inviting and then how you're going to invite them, something pretty cool is going to happen. So what will happen is anytime we get somebody here, I mean, it's almost the exact same testimony every single time. You know what people will say? Gosh, I was loved. Did you feel the love? Man, I was so loved. So I know that is, if I can get my friends here, they're going to be loved. And my goodness, does the world need some love. I mean, it's tough. There's a lot going on. And this group in here is the best place I know to bring someone. No matter where they are in their walk, no matter what problem or challenge or family circumstance, because we see victory after victory, healing after healing, seed digging sessions or freedom prayer, or like it's amazing to me. Like it's, and every time it's a miracle. Um, because I know that's true. If we can get them here and they start getting loved, their lives are going to change every single time. Uh, and the way to do that is you got to invite them. So I'm really asking for your help. Can you find a family, find a person, a neighbor, your own family 
there are daughters and sons and nephews and aunts and uncles and there are neighbors and there are people that send you memes and that are friends that you're talking to, that you text with, that you thought, ah, there's always that something inside of you that's like, man, I wish they knew the Lord. I wish they were here. I wish they, you're the person. You're it. Like, that's the cool thing about God is like, he put everything inside of us to invite people in. Like, that's pretty cool to me. So, uh, I want to try something, and you can tell me no if I pick you out. It's really okay. It won't hurt my feelings, although I might, you know, make fun of you just a little bit in the mic, but that's okay. So, here's what I'd like to do is I would like to help explain in a way why I'm so excited to invite people here. Uh, and it has to do with y'all. That's a real word, y'all. Um, so here's how we're going to do it. I'm going to pick a few people out and ask you to come up front. You don't have to say anything. You just have to stand beside me. And I just want to tell you why I think you're special, what I see in you, and just talk about you just for like as much as we can stand. Maybe we'll go like 60 seconds, okay? Maybe two minutes, all right? And then, so that's what we're gonna do. So, and then we'll just see how much time we have, but we'll go through that just a little bit, uh, and then we'll do a activity here at the end. So is that okay? Is everybody up for it? To do, try, okay. Um, Josh, come on. Yeah. Come on, be brave. Josh. Yeah, it's okay. We're not hugging, just so you know. Oh, yeah, I was picking you out. Do you want me to hug? No, you're not hugging. Uh, stop it. So, Josh... Uh, when I was praying and thinking about you, that um, you just are such a good dad, man. Um, honestly, the way you're attentive to your kids, uh, and I don't just mean physically, don't run out into the road. I mean attentive to their feelings, what they're doing in life, where they are, uh, the needs, the comfort, the words they need. You were, when I was thinking about you, Josh, like you are so attentive to your own kids. You're such a good dad. And Josh, I don't know, your, your text messages that you send are, you know, it just surprises me. It starts, hey man, or what's up, or whatever. And then it's like God himself is speaking to you because you will send me the most encouraging block of text calling out things inside of me that I know you have spent hours thinking about. Uh, that's amazing to me that you're communicating the Father's heart. Uh, and I thought it was just me, and then I, I found out you do it to other people. But... <clears throat> But, I mean, honestly, man, you're, the way that you're seeing people and the way you call it out, the way you serve, the way you love your family, the precision, the way your mind works, you make a difference, dude. You do. So thank you. Yeah. No, you're not hurt. Yeah. Yeah. It's really... Let's see. Where is... Oh, yeah, Jerry, 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 yeah. So Jerry did like, um, I'm just getting to know her, but I, I know Thomas is working, so we're going to do a combo, and hopefully Thomas can hear this, or you can tell him or make something up. It's okay. Oh, yeah, good. So um, I don't remember what day. When, when, whenever we did VBS, uh, you were here. June, okay, so yeah, right in the 
coolest summer Arkansas has ever had. Uh, so I was, uh, I didn't even know that you were going to be here. And I didn't know Thomas was, you know, kind of heading up the food and doing all this different stuff. So, uh, you know, VBS, if you guys haven't been to our VBS, it's kind of wild. Like, it's, it's a lot of work. It's fun. But uh, it takes a lot of people serving. And, you know, we're serving our kids that we'll see around here. And then we always, 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 always are able to touch the community, which introduces kids and parents that we don't have any connection to, right? And it's just amazing that that comes with challenges sometimes. And you need people that love well, that hear the Holy Spirit, and also do, can do the practical, like, take out the trash, wipe noses, and do that stuff, okay? So, I was just broken when you and Thomas, and you guys were kind of a tag team, and like I didn't even know y'all's story at that point or what was happening, but when you guys started loving the kids, I was like, that, you guys were bringing the Father's love in a way that sent vibrations across the earth. Like, I promise you, those Oreo cookies and bags of chips and like the amount of God that was coming through y'all's simple service was unreal. And I thought this is unbelievable. And in fact, at the time I was telling my dad, I was like, did you see Thomas? He's like, yeah, I know. I was like, okay. And then throughout the whole week, like I just kept thinking like, my goodness, they are transforming the foundations of these kids' lives by serving and serving these parents and serving these teachers and just being here. And not just being here, bringing God's presence with you too. And then I thought, there's no way this could get any better. And then at the last, you know, because I got a chance to talk to Thomas some. And I just, during, right after VBS, like I, and I don't even know why I mentioned this, is uh, the youth meet on Wednesdays. And we were, we were having some issues with like break-ins and, you know, just like petty crime stuff. But like there was just some challenges with stuff in our parking lot for a few weeks. And I don't even know if I mentioned it to Thomas or whatever, but the next week I look and there's Thomas sitting in our parking lot. Uh, I'm like, Thomas, like you don't, have, where do you, he's like, oh, I'm here, baby. I'm here. Like I'm, I'm like, and he wasn't just here. He prayed for our kids for hours as our handful of kids that night met. Uh, it was incredible. So I was so touched sincerely by the by you two. It made a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Let's see. I had shoot, I saw her earlier. Where is she? Marsha, where are you? Oh yeah, perfect. So, Marcia, you'll have to be, how many years, when did y'all? 1998. 98, yeah. Okay, uh, I absolutely was a kid, and um, I was around Josh and Nicole, and um, this is what I was thinking about when I was just praying and thinking about this, was uh, trying to think of a great way of saying this. In the early days of our church, we had some pretty unique, people and things happen. It was just very interesting, right? And normal families wouldn't necessarily throw in with just some of the stuff that happened. Like, it was just kind of interesting. And 
Marsha and Pat uh, did something that was amazing, and they said, yeah, we're here. We're here. And then, Marsha, what I was thinking about, and I don't even know how to describe it exactly, was when you smile, when you give a hug, uh, when you say hi, every time you do it, and I've watched you do it all these years, is you're not just, hmm, how to say this, you're not just smiling, you're not just giving a hug, I know there are hours and hours and hours of prayer and thought and intercession behind that. And I have watched you do that, I mean, not just with your family, but with some of the most unique people that we've run into over these years. And you have consistently, month after month after month, no matter what the person's circumstance looked like, and we've had some doozies over the years, those smiles, those hugs, those simple greetings, I just knew, I just knew in my spirit all that time, all that time before the Father, interceding and thinking about those people. And I knew that growing up. And then as I've gotten older, I've realized this, the prophetic gifting and the words that you were giving to people and uh, how honoring and loyal and love you've done to my parents and taken care of them and saw them when it was hard. And, you know, being a pastor is an interesting gig. <laughs> it's an interesting way of being. And uh, you guys just did that together. But Marsha, I know that we wouldn't be where we are today without the intercession and the prayer and the love that you were doing all these years, for sure. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. We have time. Do one. Hey, Jimmy, come on. It'll be great. So, Jimmy, you're, you guys are new here-ish, and we're just getting to know each other, and then um, you let me crash your family's birthday party, and, you know, I, I realized something that you, um, you see people, and that's an amazing thing. And what I mean by that is you don't introduce yourself just to say your name or to receive somebody else's. You really see people. Uh, maybe a better way of saying that is you really love them almost instantly. It's crazy to me how well you love. You stop, you're present, you shake their hand, you say hi, you have a connection uh, and you're expressing God inside of you in a way that there's a lot of people that I feel like that's the closest they're going to get to the Father that day, uh, which is an incredible gift, man. Uh, and I have no doubt that that's going to be multiplied um, as you get going, man. But when you connect with that person, and there's a bunch of us, like billions of us, but it's not very often that you meet someone that just, they meet you. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, so thank you, man. So, uh, I wish I had more time, but... Uh, I am sincere. You guys that are here, I want my friends to meet. 
because all of the things that I said and a whole bunch that I don't have time to say, man, there's a lot. Like challenges, mental health, there's a lot of sad people, there's a lot of hurt families, there's a lot of kids, there's a lot of grandmothers and grandpas and that have challenges and problems and uh, I know where the answer is and I know how they're gonna find the answer and it's through God's people. It's y'all, that's how. And the way that we get to do that together is we get to invite and then we get them here. And then once they're here, we're gonna do what we do and we're gonna love them. And that love can overcome just about everything, I think. So that's the special part. So uh, rather than having, and I know this is a little bit different today, uh, thank you for letting me have the longest announcement uh, in the history of our church uh, for October 15th. But what I would like to do, we just have a few more minutes, uh, is rather than just having a ministry time or something, what I'd like really to happen is if I could have, if you can, everyone stand up. And what we're going to do is find a friend. So what I want you to do, let's just greet each other. Let's talk. Let's say hello. Uh, if you haven't connected with somebody in a minute, and I would like to just take a few minutes and let our community be the community. Uh, and then if you do need prayer or something that was on your heart or you walked in this morning with like, oh, man, this is just killing me, ask, ask your friend that's going to come say hi to you, okay? And we'll just let it happen naturally this morning out there. And then uh, we'll just do that for a few minutes, and then we'll call it a day and get in line at the closest buffet. It's going to be great, okay? <laughs> all right, thank you all. So let's just greet each other.